Welcome to the third hour of the Tom Dupree Show. This week, sitting in, we've got Missy Clifton and our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay. Um, this third hour, we've had it going now for about, I guess, six weeks. We're trying to do some things that are thematic. And I want to key on this water question. Uh, any of you that have been following the news know that uh, in Europe, they are having one of the worst droughts in centuries. The uh, Rhine River is, is at a trickle. Uh, many um, manufacturing plants and, and businesses that rely on the use of water have had to curtail their activities and in some cases, even shut down. Uh, you've also got the Western United States, where water, especially in California, has become at a, at a great, very scarce. Um, Lake Mead in Nevada, which is outside of Las Vegas, has been declining uh, for some time now, and. Uh, um, it has gotten so low that uh, all these old, <laughs> I think they've discovered like five or six bodies or, or bones that, that are, it's, it's been Jeez. in the news. How know. about Jackson, it's Mississippi? It's not the news that you. 150,000 people without well, clean drinking water. That's because of the uh, poor Aid, man- management the system, right. of city government down there. And if you've followed Jackson. It's kind of a basket case. But the point is, of all the, uh, of all the water in the world, only 3% of it is fresh. That two, surprises me. Yeah, 2.5% of that 3% is tied up in glaciers and ice caps. And polar ice caps, exactly. Yes. I was reading about that. And so... We don't have a whole lot of fresh water. You can do what's called desalination, 
It's uh, very energy intense. Water is a big problem. Now, I like to look in the Bible. Some people say that I am, uh, you know, barking up the wrong tree. But throughout the Bible, water is prevalent. The water was split when the uh, Red Sea, the Israelites crossed over um, from the very beginning in Genesis. You know, the, the water was a, a big um, symbolism, the symbol of the water, life-giving. And even all the way to the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, it talks about streams of living water flowing out of the throne. It also talks about the water on the earth, uh, wrath being poured out upon it, water turning to blood. You couldn't drink it. So there's, if you think about life, animal life, most animal life requires not salt water, but fresh water. It's a very delicate balance. You can't use salt water for uh, manufacturing in, in, in most things. It has to be fresh water. This is going to be a bigger and bigger deal going forward. Um, in Kentucky, we don't we tend to take water for granted because Kentucky has the most navigable shoreline of we're like the third biggest state in the union behind Alaska and Texas, even ahead of Florida in terms of navigable water and shorelines. So we tend to take it for granted. But the fact is, any body of water can dry up. The Rhine River has for centuries run normally, and in Europe now it has gotten extremely low. And... We're seeing the West and Texas in drought situations that we haven't seen for a long time. I believe that water will become even more valuable than oil, than things energy-related, and in some cases, even food. Think about the Colorado River, which provides water to 40 million people mm -hmm. and more than 5 million acres of agricultural land. And it's their, you know, their, their new federal cuts to mandate water usage because of the That's issue. right. And what do we do about it? Well, in Kentucky, I've really thought about this. And uh, I think that this might make sense. It would have to make sense with the Army Corps of Engineers. But if we look at the flooding that we had up in eastern Kentucky in some of these hollers and creeks, these are places that it's very hard for people to have flat land in which to live on. 
what if we built some dams in that area and made impoundments, freshwater impoundments, i.e. a lake, that would be able to provide freshwater drinking water and flood control so that if you had a great huge downpour up in those mountain areas, you'd have um, a dam holding back a good bit of the, the water. What did you know? What do you know about the Marion, Kentucky water shortage that uh, just a month ago? I think it that's in uh, Marion is in Crittenden, uh, Kentucky. Crittenden, yeah. yeah, I think it had to do with a, the water uh, purification plant. Some of these water purification plants in these small towns in Kentucky are not. There was one also in Martin County that 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 happened at. Let's see, I'm reading about that uh, Lake George, the primary reservoir for Marion's residents and businesses, had to be drained because of a levee failure. Yeah, well, okay, uh, okay. Well, then that wasn't. I'm wrong on that. I'm, Coupled think, I'm with, thinking of the Martin County thing. A levee failure. That's a dam. Mm-hmm. Most dams out there on most lakes are earthen dams. They are not concrete dams they're earthen dams guess what happens in the event of flooding they can break frank uh highlands north carolina if you go up to highlands north carolina and this is going out of the state of kentucky but it's just as a way of uh uh, illustrating they have a dam and a lake way up in highlands some people have said that the dam may potentially be leaking. If the dam ever breached, it would come down the Colasager River, wipe out the town of Franklin. The point I'm trying to make is I think in Kentucky, especially in areas where there's been a lot of coal mining, coal mining, uh, strip mining particularly, it degrades the natural environment. I'll tell you something. If you go along a riverbank and there's a heavy rain during the summer or spring when the trees are leafed out, that water gets absorbed into the plant life and you don't have as much runoff and there's usually not as big a chance of flooding. In the winter, when the plants are not sucking it up for leaves, you have a better chance of flooding. But this is going to be something that we're going to have to be thinking about. Now, this article in Barron's, they talk about how much water gets used in production, yeah, manufacturing, which is really amazing. 1,800 gallons, they say, for one pound of beef. 240 gallons for a cell phone. 800 gallons for a pair of jeans. Here's the point. They make it sound like that the water gets consumed and then it is no more. No, it just gets run through. It can be recycled, re, uh, you know, it can be cleaned back up. Las Vegas has been recycling water for decades. Elizabeth, do you have any thoughts on this matter? 
<laughs> I thought so. I thought not. Once again, we need a video camera. Yeah, exactly. the the point The point I'm trying to make is water. It's not like oil where it gets burned up and turns into CO two and water. Water. It gets used, but it can be reused if it's properly recycled. Now, let me tell you something. This is what I believe very strongly. I think we should be composting our solid waste, breaking it down, composting it, recycling it back into the earth, build up the uh, soil that we're on, which holds the water better creates a better uh, aquifer, if you will, instead of denuding our soil of natural um, natural uh, compost, if you will, natural broken down biomass. And what they do with most solid waste is put it in a landfill. There's a thing called malorganite. You can buy it at Home Depot. It is used from the composted waste from the city of Milwaukee. But when people find out what it is, they say, ew, gross, and they don't want to deal with it. I mean, what do you guys think on this? Well, I don't know. I, I was actually thinking about that a few months ago, President Biden warned that food shortages were going to, quote, unquote, be real. And, of course, as I was reading this article that you presented from Barron's, um, you know, it <laughs> beginning of the paragraph it says the biggest water hog is agriculture for it is but but that's like saying the biggest water hog is forests when it rains on a forest it's a total water hog because that's where it rains the water all goes into the forest it's a form of agriculture logging and those kinds of things to grow plants yes you use water but they make it sound like the, the water goes away. No, it doesn't. It recycles back into the... There's as much water here that has always been. It never goes away. It just gets used and then reused. How about the story on Tesla with Elon Musk trying to... Uh, that he was facing his own water-related hurdles in a plant that he had in Berlin um, where yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. This region has so much water. Look around you, he says. But then all of a sudden, um, you know, now he's you know is is well. They've had a huge drought over there. Exactly. And we could have a drought in Kentucky. I mean, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to rain. That's why I think we have to look. And this is people are going to disagree with me on this, but I think we have to look at building actually more dams. And I think. You know, it's been examined over the years, and the environmentalists don't want you to build a dam. They were going to build one on the Rockcastle River uh, near my uh, family's farm down, and they, you know, they chose not to do it. But I don't think most people have ever actually drawn the parallel between water scarcity and it being a liability for companies and investors you have to have water to have commerce i'm just i just don't think people would i don't think that people would draw that parallel most people wouldn't draw that parallel 
you, you look at your lawn, you look at, you know, uh, but just, you know, for, that, that, uh, this, this particular article, article goes into, uh, the lack of water's effects on Intel. Yeah. Chips. Chip, chip maker. Yeah. Chip maker. Yeah. You, w- there's so many things that we take for granted that, that water and other things, but especially water gets used in, you know, we don't think in terms of, and I'll I tell you another thing, and this goes hand in hand with it. Flushing water down the toilet is a stupid idea. We should be recycling poop and pee. Ooh, okay. <laughs> See, I knew that would be the, what you all would say. But it's it's a wasteful thing. We we're, there's going to come a point where we're going to do it. Jesus walked around with a little shovel in the, his back uh, pocket. Great. I know. I knew you guys would well, fr- would it, not like. I knew that would wake you all up. Okay. Well, Elizabeth even said something. It's interesting because it, I've I have moved a lot, and it's always you know when you're looking at redoing a bathroom, um, and you've got a real you've got you know you've got one of the old. Uh, commode models and the first thing the plumber will say well you know all the new the new commodes are the the water efficient ones and you really don't want to have to you know replace them with one of those if you don't have to well so so clearly that's what people are used to and what they like i I believe that we should be composting everything and and i've believed this for a long time and i not only do i believe it i know it's true i think we have a flawed model for waste disposal. I think it screws up the environment. I think we take nutrients and dump them in a landfill and they ought to be recycled and put back on the land. And that this, this is God's way of doing it. This is how he designed the world to work. And he didn't design to have flush toilets. It's just, that's just me. It's it's a modern day thing. It's stupid. So you're suggesting we we give up the modern day conveniences of no, okay. make them even more modern and, and take the old stuff and make it new again. I mean, you can use the you can use the uh, methane produced from decaying waste to heat your house or generate electricity. Do you know what a digester is? It's a thing that they've got one running at Ohio State University. They take the food that has been generated in the dining hall that kids didn't eat. They throw it into a biodigester. It's got amoeba in there. It produces methane. They run the methane through a 800 uh, kilowatt um, electrical. It's a megawatt generator, but it, it generates about eight because the gas has got about a seven eight hundred. BTU content. It's not as rich as regular natural gas. What do you think natural gas is? Natural gas is the decaying of organic organisms from long ago that's still in the earth. This is what a digester does. Guess what? Once the bio stuff has been digested, you have got nutrient-rich compost that can be put on a garden or something like that. I'll tell you another thing that needs to be being done. People, we should have on every um, right-of-way in this country, like I'm talking about medians and things like that, we ought to be growing crops in there. Why? Because there's a lot of CO2 being produced by those cars that are going by. Carbon dioxide plants suck it up. They love carbon dioxide. 
Plants also are natural removers of heavy metals. If you have uh, uh, those areas where you can, where water lilies are used to treat sewage, they 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 get rid of the heavy metals. Okay, so in in the in the finance world, and we, you know we're talking about uh, the new ESG environmental, social, and governance. Uh, issues that are involving some of the investments. Are you telling me that valuing water is there are initiatives for water? Is is that that comes along under that? Well, I don't know enough about ESG, and I don't really want to know everything about it because it's word salad. It's it's Kamala Harris uh, on steroids. It's all these ideas about what constitutes ESG, and you get into it and you go nuts. But I can't see how anything ESG-oriented would be against uh, doing things that properly um, take care of our water resources. Because I'm going to tell you something. Kentucky's a rare place. I was in Michigan recently, up there uh, on the edge of Lake Michigan, on the eastern edge. That's a rare resource. Michigan is beautiful because it's got lots of beautiful fresh water. So I'm just telling you, folks, we cannot take this for granted. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We will be back in just a few minutes with the second half of the third hour. Don't know where we're going, but I'm pretty sure you'll learn something. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. If you really study the news, you know there's a high degree of insanity afoot these days. This can also affect investment markets. In times like these, people are much more likely to believe a cynical view of markets and behaviors than in more normal times. There's nothing wrong with realism as long as it's tempered with a healthy dose of constructive optimism. This is only possible through faith, which is believing in something that's not yet apparent. And faith is how our country was built. At Dupree Financial Group, we do a great deal of research on the companies in which we invest, and we have faith in our research. We can review your current investment portfolio and advise you about how to properly invest for retirement. Call us now at 859 833-0400. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arrive Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You are only waiting for this moment to be free 
Blackbird fly, blackbird fly into the line of a dark black Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the third hour. Joining us, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Where are we going this half of the hour, Tom? Okay, what I talked about, by the way, the last two songs are from the Beatles' White Album, which some regard as their best work. And there are two songs that you don't typically hear, uh, although this one is something that a lot of people have heard. The first one, Mother Nature's Son, you don't hear that one much. Great song from the White Album, though. Okay, the, the thing we, we talked about in the first half of this hour was, ideally, what should be some public policy things that we would pursue. The fact is we don't live in an ideal world. We live in a world that's becoming progressively more stupid. People that don't deserve to be in office are the ones who end up in office. It's as if all of this has been planned out to stymie folks that want to do things the right way, and the only way they're going to be ever become, I guess, battle-hardened is to deal with idiots that run things. So this article that I'm looking at for this second half of this third hour, what would the world look like if run by the global elite? Hint. California. This is uh, in the uh, Zero Hedge publication, Thursday, September 1st, by a guy that goes by the name of Rebel Capitalist. California is quickly becoming a third world country equivalent as the media middle class fades into history books. The rich elite and the dirt poor will be what's left. So the people, Elizabeth just asked me, why is California still so rich? Because all these people are leaving. The, re, the, the people that are leaving are the people like me that run a business and want to grow the business and do well financially and provide goods and services to their clients they find themselves in an environment that is horrible for business. Super wealthy people, they already have their money, Silicon Valley types. And the people that work for them, which are in many cases on the bottom rung of society, they're there because the government provides for a lot of their needs. 
So if you think you're going to be living in an environment that's going to be smart about things, you may not be. In Kentucky, uh, we're not as bad as places like California, but we tend to be um, willing to jump back into government-run ways of doing things as sort of a default fallback when things get in trouble. We had one of the most restrictive lockdown policies during COVID um, early in COVID. um, And you still see people with little green lights on. Basically, I don't think anymore it means... I support the lockdown policies of Andy Bashir. Or it just means you're just too lazy to go change your no, light bulb. No, what it means is I'm a liberal and I'm proud of it. That's what it means. It's 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 like having a little thing that you can show. In Puerto Rico, if you live in a decent place, then it will have to have its own electric generator. It's because the electricity is always going out there. It's exactly what we're going to see more of in California. So California, one of the most advanced places in, on earth, one of the wealthiest places on earth, one of the, this basic service of electricity is going to be less and less available. Here's why. The environmental policies in California are so incredibly restrictive. I mean, they just voted... Recently, they passed a law that by 2035, they can no longer sell gasoline-powered or, or diesel-powered vehicles there. Yeah, and then a few days later, they declared that electric vehicles shouldn't be charged from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. due to the risk of a power grid failure. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just like, so wait a minute, you can't buy gasoline vehicles and you're not allowed to charge your electric vehicles. I mean, good Lord, no wonder it's people are It's another lockdown. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, no wonder, seriously, so many people are fleeing California while they still can. Get, get your car and get out. Well, well it still it, has par. This article still says, <laughs> last time we checked, electric vehicle cars, this... This is what California is mandating for all its people to have by 2035 are powered by electricity. And the electric grid in in California is so bad that they are begging people to use less electricity. Now, think about it. If you're a good Democrat, you've always voted Democrat. You're an old-time Democrat. And whatever the Democrat, whatever... The cat drags in in terms of candidates under the Democrat label. You're going to vote for them because, by God, you will never be a Republican. Basically, what's happened, and our friend Larry Roberts found this out, he was assuming that the Democrat Party was still, at its heart, a law and order kind of party. And that he would keep his job. And what he didn't realize and what he now realizes is that's all gone. Law and order be damned. 
So if you're voting for these policies, and I know a lot of you are, I mean, I see some goofball on Facebook who says, well, Sarah Palin got beat. He's in Kentucky. The Wicked Witch is dead. <clears throat> he had something like 200 likes. You know, these people, they're brain dead. All they can do is talk about how much they hate Trump. They hate conservatives. This is the typical Democrat in Kentucky who says, I'm a Democrat. They don't think very deeply. But the trouble is, if they looked at the policies that are really being pursued by their own party what they would realize if you look at california that's going to lead to ruin there will be no way that anybody in california will be able to go anywhere except by horse and buggy it's just not going to be able to happen because if you go these policies where electricity is not going to get more ubiquitous it's going to get less ubiquitous and then tell everybody they have to drive electric cars you've put the roads out of business and here's the other thing a lot of those roads are paid for by gasoline taxes and there is no gasoline tax on an electric vehicle here's another thing they're trying to do in la they're voting to compel hotels to house homeless people alongside guests from this article in the uh, uh, Zero Hedge. When your hotel business becomes a homeless shelter subsidized by the California taxpayer, inflation and CBDCs, you lose. Think about it, folks. I thought that was interesting because uh, when I was doing some some scooping around on the homelessness in L.A., they actually delayed their homeless count uh, they announced that last month till this month. And it's kind of interesting because um, they're trying to roll out this universal basic income experiment where, you know, they pick a thousand residents to give over, uh, you know, they had like, oh, they had like over 180,000 applicants. They're going to give a thousand dollars a month to, to help them, um, to, you know, make ends meet. And, and I loved it because the, the, the quote that was given by the County Board of Supervisors, they said, it's time that we trust that our residents know how best to meet their needs when given the resources to do so. So they're not telling them what the you know, money goes to. So they could buy a, you know, a, a cat, cat napper, a, a, you know, a recliner for all they, they know um, that it's, it's just, this is a, this is a political move on the, on the Los Angeles end. But any rate, I, all I know is, is that when I look at California is that I am just waiting that they're waiting for them to impose the next severe lockdown. Um, and they'll say it's the, you know, the virus has mutated to a stronger one. And, and again, it's there, they have the answer. They have the answer um, over what they want is power over the people. Right. No, that's what they want is, is power. So even though, and I'm talking about us as here in Kentucky. Even though I say, you know, it'd be great if the government did this, built dams, if we recycled our uh, solid waste, those kinds of things, actually getting that done is a pretty far-fetched idea. It really is. The, the reality is that we need to talk about how what happens if the ruling elite really rule things, 
Now you're trying to do things to keep out of the way of getting smacked in the head by something, by a foul ball you don't like to get hit by. Well, you know, you were talking earlier that um, that the best thing about capitalism is that human ingenuity always finds a way to... If it's allowed to. If it's allowed to. If you, if you will allow... So I'm, I actually believe that that allowing people to solve some of the problems we were discussing uh, in the first, you know, even the water homelessness that we talked about uh, in our first hour at seven o'clock. Um, these are not unique problems. These are not unique problems yet. No, it does. Maybe it requires us to step out of the moment and look objectively to come up with perhaps not unique answers, but sometimes answers that are right there in front of us. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. I'll tell you another thing, and this was tried several years ago, but I think it should be tried again. I think the ownership of the water company should be local. Uh, and I think... Wasn't it, that the big push years ago? Yeah. But here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make the water company owned by the city of Lexington. Bad idea. It should be a local business that owns it. You should figure out a way to say to American Water, listen, we'd like to spin this into a local business that will own the water company. We would have a lot more self-determination in terms of how we manage our own water supply and be able to do things on our own that would be a lot more beneficial for the city of Lexington. How? So wait a minute. Back, so, and, and who who would be that? I mean, just if you were to just envision what entity would own the water company? I think you form a local corporation. You have local shareholders. You know what I would do? What's that? I would let everybody who's a water user, that is, everybody that's a customer of the water system, buy into some of the stock of the new water company. Then this water company could do its own kind of stuff here locally. They might actually get into other kinds of business like selling bottled water, uh, even potentially into broadband, things like that. With whatever profits they were earning here locally, they could invest back into the community, uh, invest in things like little dams maybe around places where they could put a pipeline and, uh, have more access to the water. All we have now is the Kentucky River, which can be pretty gnarly at times. That's kind of compelling when you think about putting, you know, a, a local company managing our tailor making, tailor making an answer for our area. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's I think it's a great idea. I think more of what we do as a government, we don't do well. We should do more of these things as private citizens operating in a for-profit fashion, but being completely accountable to our local shareholders, not off on the stock exchange somewhere in New York. You have local people that would own stock in it. Don't you agree with that? They can't see you nod. Don't just nod, Elizabeth. Yeah, you have to say what you're going to say. Say the page. 
Which our listener, that's an inside family joke. We had a child that would say that every time he wanted to, for Tom to move on instead of chatting. Keep reading. He'd say, say the page. Say the page. Um, (laughs) Local ownership for anything and everything tends to focus on local needs more directly. Couldn't agree with you more. Much like Dupree Financial Group. We are locally Couldn't based. Couldn't agree with you more. And as a result, we have a much higher touch with our customers. Um, and that is the focus of our mission is to have touch with our customers, customer service, um, touch on their accounts, etc. So, of course, local ownership for something as important as uh, utility like water would be in the best interest of the residents of the city. However, all these big, great ideas, how do they get done? You can do them. I mean, there, there's ways to do them. Somebody- so what was flawed with that, with that effort um, that was launched? And I believe your father was involved with that effort. What was the, the flaw of they that? They were was trying it- to get the city of Lexington to buy it. And the city of Lexington doesn't do anything really well. And I don't think they would run a utility very well. I think what you would have to do is have a local business that you would set up just for the purpose of running the co- the water company and capitalize with the investments of the mainly the customers here in the system. In other words, it would be almost like a mutually owned system or like a co-op in some ways, although I don't really like necessarily the co-op idea it could still work if it had to where local shareholders own the local water and then we could get into things i tell you another thing the water system could get into doing composting building up the soil so that our soil that would be more of a sanitary sewer thing wouldn't it yeah but it's all involved with water water is in everything we get billed for our sewer our sewage differently than we do the water though so it's still being kept separate but they could find a way and that to is work owned together. by the city as well right they, they do i could take over the sewage treatment and, and make money at it and actually sell the uh sewage if it were processed as high-priced fertilizer yeah. which well do you know do you, yeah. you you say that there actually is I could do it. Fertilizer company that does that. Malorganite. I tell. I talked about it earlier. And it stinks to high heaven. But oh, thanks a lot. It is good. Thanks for dropping me in the grease. I'm all about anything that's not government owned. I was just uh, actually I read earlier today. I think it's from an article today. um, Energy company shuts down access to home thermostats during the 90 degree heat wave in Denver. So all those with their smart meters couldn't turn up their air conditioning and it was 90 some you know it was over 90 some degrees they that was it they Sorry. wouldn't let them do it nope nope government shut down access to their home thermostats in order to save on the energy during the heat wave there you go Sorry. you're not as free as you think you are not, well it's, and getting it's back for your own good well, getting Sorry. back to the city owning water i think that could be regulated pretty tightly too sure something in the city but not necessarily the city an entity that might be a for-profit entity. No, I'm talking about if if the plan if, that was proposed years ago had gone through and the city had control of the water, that's another reason why government owning utilities is not 
maybe the best way to go. And then there have been some governments that did a beautiful job with it. So it really gets down to the people that the are The leadership. Involved. Yeah. yeah. And How good is the leadership? Well, we're struggling with leadership just to keep crime down. I, I don't really want them controlling Why don't much you of volunteer anything for else. One of these roles? <laughs> Listen, I've got my hands full just managing you. Well, That's, well, that was there's quiet all, laughter going all on. All I can say is is that without a doubt, city leadership doesn't take just nice people. There are nice people that that are. Oh, no, I agree with you. But th- there's a little more. There's yeah. there's got to be. A I, little I would more. agree. Yeah, it's it's leadership and and the lack of kumbaya. Everything's okay when it's not okay. So I think that's a good place to jump off. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. If you would like to email Tom, tdupree at dupreefinancial.com uh, with any ideas or oh, comments. thanks a lot for yeah, giving that out. Throwing you in the grease. Yeah. No, he loves to hear from, from the listeners. Uh, call us, 859-233-0400 if you'd like us to take a look at your portfolio. I can't say that. We'll talk to you next week. Blackbird.